Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 27 of the Yacking Podcast. This is where we talk about life, business, and more, and to bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. And as we know, the world is really changing right now. As always, we have another interesting guest for you today. But first, let me welcome Kathleen, my co-host from Kitchener. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? Hello, Peter, and welcome, everyone. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for tuning in, as usual. We so appreciate it. And we also appreciate your comments. Um, we do have a very interesting guest with us today. Her name is Hannah Brown, who is the founder and primary consultant with a company called Performance Matters. And you know what? Welcome, Hannah. And I'm going to put it right to you right away so you can tell our listeners and viewers exactly what you do. Welcome, Hannah. Thanks very much. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Kathleen. Um, yeah, so I live in Kitchener and I have my own company called Performance Matters. Um, primarily, I'm a learning consultant, so I design custom training programs for clients. And uh, back in the day, it was in class, in person, live. Um, these days, it's a lot of online and a lot of e-learning, so reaching people where they are. So uh, that can be lots of different topics. Um, so learning is one hat, and then the other hat I wear is as a leadership coach. So that's the bulk of my practice. Um, on the personal note a little bit, if you're interested in that, um, sure. I married and have two kids who are tweens, so they're just finishing up their last week of school and are pretty excited about that. Wow, well done. Quite a job juggling young children and a full-time career with your own business. So Hannah, I looked at your website. You, you didn't start off with coaching. You, you made a few shifts, if I mm. understand your website correctly. Just tell us that, that background and, and what motivated you to start Performance Matters. Um, well, I'll try and give not the long story, but maybe the, the medium or short story. But uh, so I did my undergrad at the University of Guelph, and it was basically family studies. And I really like the, um, the interpersonal people side of, of that uh, program. I graduated and I knew I wanted to do a master's in something, uh, continuing my education, but I wanted it to be more work related and practical. And I graduated and then I worked for a, a management consulting firm and it opened my eyes up to the world of business which I hadn't ever been exposed to and I really liked that environment and so for me going back and doing a master's of adult education was bringing those two worlds together so I had that interpersonal um, interaction piece from my undergrad but I put it in a business context so learning and development was a way for me to bring those two interests together so um, so that's how I ended up in the field and um, my journey towards uh, getting me to, to performance matters. I worked for a boutique firm in Toronto for a long time doing consulting work and did that while I was doing my master's so I could complete the master's a little bit faster. And, uh, and yeah, I just like working on projects and with lots of different clients in different industries. So um, maybe it's an attention span thing. I don't know, but I, I like the variety of different projects and, and different clients. So consulting uh, gives me that. It also lets me balance uh, things with my family really nicely. So especially when my kids were really little, I didn't want to go back to being a director and kind of really long hours and, and long days of childcare. So uh, still working long hours, but they're broken up so I can take time off uh, in the day to be with kids. And then, you know, maybe I work in the evening as a trade-off. So, so yeah, so consulting's given me a lot of flexibility, which has been nice. Very good. 
Can you tell our listeners about uh, personality assessment tools? I think you call it DISC on your, on your website. Yes. Can you explain what that is exactly? Yeah, for sure. So I've been using DISC with a couple of clients for years, and um, it's basically a personality assessment or a behavior assessment. So, and, and there are lots out there. There's Myers-Briggs and, and is another common one. Um, I like I like DISC because it has four quadrants, which in a training context, when you have a, a chunk of time to walk people through the model, it's something that they can really easily um, gravitate to and kind of sticks with them. So it's four quadrants, D, I, S, and C, and it just helps people. There's an assessment part of it, and then they would either have coaching one-on-one with me or they would enroll in a, in a training program. And what it does primarily is it gives people insights into kind of how they, how they are and their natural tendencies, and then what that looks like, how it shows up in different environments. So um, DISC, ha- there are lots of different versions. There's DISC workplace, which is for everybody. So it's how I show up in a workplace environment. There's DISC management, so how I show up as a manager and how I might need to adjust my own management approach when I'm dealing with individuals on my team, because understanding that each individual will have a different personality and preferences and ways to be motivated, and that I would need to delegate to each of them a little bit differently. And that's part of my role as a leader is to adapt my style to my to my team members' needs. And they have other ones for sales and if people are in conflict, understanding conflict a little bit more. So so above all, it's, it's a way, it's an assessment that... Um, helps people understand themselves and then also adapt how they interact with others so that their relationships can be stronger and, um, and more effective, I suppose. Do you work with companies? Does that answer your? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. So do, yeah, okay. <laughs> do you work with companies of all sizes? I do. Um, so with coaching, that's one-on-one. So that could be with, with really small organizations, certainly. Uh, I do find that there's a bit of a critical mass where uh, companies um, need to be, being in Waterloo Region, there's a lot of startups. So that's why I say that. So, so typically they need to have, you know, a certain number of people or revenue funding coming in in order to be able to um, start thinking about, okay, what's my next step here with developing my culture or my leaders? So so I would say, you know, startups, you know, the, the one to 20 employees, probably not so much, but scale up companies, uh, certainly so 20 to 200. Um, and there I've worked with organizations uh, on their own internal leadership and, and employee development programs. I've also worked with companies, um, one in particular, a, a tech scale up who wanted to have a learning program for their customers. So their customer bought their product and their initial approach was to send one person flying out to all the different customers to train them. And they realized that as they scaled, that wouldn't be sustainable. So they wanted to have a learning strategy that they could move towards, that they could grow into as they scaled. So I didn't mention at the beginning, I probably should have, but, um, but yeah, learning, learning strategy or curriculum design is, is another piece of, of, Putting all those pieces together, individual courses and coaching and that type of thing. What other scenarios would a company call you up to 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 um, have your services? What what sort of situations might they encounter that would require someone with your skill set to bring in uh, to kind of to, to just um, 
help them get them organized or resolve their issues. Yeah, yeah. So because most of what I design is, is custom design programs, so I, I have a few um, courses and leadership models and things that I, I bring into, um, in, into the programs that I design, but oftentimes there's some kind of a pain point. Um, you know, my, my sales reps aren't, aren't selling enough of widget A, they're selling widget B, or, um, you know, they, the sales reps need help to close, or... Uh, I've been working with a mutual fund company in Toronto for years and they, um, there it was a little bit of um, legacy. So they had a lot of folks who were, who were retiring and had a lot of institutional knowledge and they wanted to capture that before the, before they retired and they didn't have policies and procedures or training materials in place. So, so that project was kind of twofold. One is we documented what are the what is it that they do in their job so that we could capture that institutional knowledge before they retired and we we presented it as a training program and job aids and, and kind of how-to guides so when they brought new people on board they could onboard them much faster using these training materials so so that's another example of of when somebody might bring me in so again it's kind of looking at what's that curriculum or that that training strategy and then what are the what are the building blocks behind it? So, so the starting point can be different things. Um, another client, uh, Linamar, that I've worked with for years, they wanted to build their leadership bench strength. So, I think it was 2012, a while ago. Um, worked with them to clarify what are their leadership competencies and how do we create a leadership development program to help them um, run run their run their business. So it wasn't so much kind of foundational leadership skills, but business leadership skills. So financial acumen, negotiation, managing risk, thinking strategically, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, different starting points and then, and then courses or curriculum kind of roll, roll out of that. Wow. I've got a quick one. I was looking at your, your blog and you have an, an analogy on there. You said online, or you wrote, mm -hmm. online learning is like hang gliding. So uh, that really intrigued yes. me. So tell us more about that. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So Kathleen, to tie into your last question, um, recently I've had clients uh, approach me to help them pivot. Uh, pivot from, I used to have a lot of in-person, in-classroom courses, mm -hmm. and because of our pandemic, I need to switch that all over to online, and, and I don't know where to begin. So um, so I've been doing that kind of work for the last few months, but it made me think, Peter, of, of that analogy that there's been a lot of quick pivoting, which has been absolutely yeah. essential, and people have just either paused programs or quickly kind of thrown it together and, and put it online because they had to. And I find that clients now are realizing that uh, online and, and virtual is here to stay, and Yes, there's easing up in various parts of Canada and the globe around what that looks like, but really people are recognizing that that online is going to be a more permanent part of how we work and how we interact. So, so clients are looking at, okay, instead of just a hastily thrown together program, how do I create something that, um, that is going to meet all of my learning objectives and my business needs that I need it to? And so that's where the analogy comes from, is that when you go hang gliding, um, you know, you want to have the, the right uh, equipment. So you need to make sure that everything's safe and, and you got it. And, and so then the equivalent with, with online learning is you need to have the right technology in place, both the platform like Zoom or WebEx, but also um, what engagement software are you going to be using to help folks stay interacted and, mm -hmm. um, and engaged with the program? So, you know, 
virtual whiteboarding or polling, things like that. So that, that's the one piece of hang gliding. Um, the other piece of hang gliding is uh, you need to know where you're going. So you need to know the weather conditions. You need to know where am I going to take off? Where, where am I hoping to land? Where am I, where, what's the direction I'm headed? Um, and that really is um, comparable to having a really good design. So making sure that you've thought through what are those, what's the sequence of learning and um, how am I going to leverage different tools and functionality to make sure that it's really an engaging program that meets my needs or like the business needs. Um, and then the last part of the hang gliding is when you finally take off and you go, um, you have to be able to manage the wind currents and, and the different environmental factors. And that's really facilitation. So when you kind of hit live and away you go, you need to be able to respond in the moment and be fluid and deal with maybe technology issues or conversations that are really rich. And so take up a bit more time than you thought they would. And then, you know, adjusting on the fly that way. So so that's where the analogy comes from and, and behind it are kind of three three pieces, the technology, the design and the facilitation. No, that's very, very good. And, and of course, uh, you, just extending that a little bit with hang gliding, you've got to have um, a strategy to cope with the outcome, right? Because with hang gliding, quite often you yeah. don't land where you wanted to. So. <laughs> right, right. Yes, you have the general sense of where you're going to end up and that's the direction I'm going. But yeah, but yeah it, it, you need to be able to adjust on the fly and, and go where where the wind currents take you and where, where the participants take you and where they need you to go, for sure. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Kathleen, so, back to you. Thank you. So Hannah, I think in... On your website, you make reference to online learning as well as e-learning. I would have thought that they would have been synonymous, but perhaps you see a distinction mm. between the two. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So lots, every field has all of their acronyms and, and jargon that, that we use. And so in the learning and development um, field or training and development field, yeah, e-learning and online are, are two common terms that, that obviously are coming up more now. Um, so I make the distinction between online learning as something that is synchronous. So you have a facilitator, it would be like Zoom or Adobe Connect. So okay. there's a set time when everybody comes together virtually and there's a facilitator or a trainer who's leading you through that course curriculum or that course content. Um, so that's online. Sometimes it's called virtual or sometimes it's called e-classroom for electronic classroom. So there's different kind of terms versus e-learning which is um, asynchronous and that's where there is no facilitator so all of the content is embedded into the course so i log in whenever i want to and i complete my course oftentimes it's compliance courses it doesn't have to be but oftentimes that that's a first entry point so health and safety or respect in the workplace or whatever and i complete it on my own so a helpful way of remembering that is um, a is asynchronous and it's also something that i complete alone so that's e-learning and then online learning is something where I still have a facilitator to walk me through. Okay. That, very good explanation. Thank you for that. If, no. if I can, if I can chime in to complicate things now that I've maybe clarified, let me complicate <laughs> it a little bit, but then, then again, in my industry, and then there's also blended learning and that's really, that's, that's where I think the fun is. And that's where you get at the curriculum level. You think, well, what's the best way, what's the best delivery mechanism for this learning. So if you look at a, at a program or a curriculum, you might have a little bit of e-learning where I can learn theories or models on my own. And then I might come to an in-person classroom or these days an online classroom where I apply that learning and I, and I elaborate on it further with the trainer to help me. And then if there's a learning management system or an LMS, then I might go do 
um, I might engage with those people uh, offline. So through discussion boards or chat, and then I might do another e-learning and then I might do some on the job application or have some mm -hmm. coaching. So there's lots of different delivery channels or modalities that you can use and that you can pull together. And so the catch all phrase for that is blended learning. Blended learning. Okay. And I can see blended the importance of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Interesting yeah. one. Interesting one. I got one for you. Uh, you've, you've partly answered it as far as your clients go, but how has the coronavirus shutdown changed your particular business, Hannah? What's it, what's it done to you? Made you busier, I guess. Well, yeah, initially it wasn't, um, you know, I had projects, e some e-learning projects that were, that were put on hold, um, initially pushed out a year. I had one non-for-profit and they had to cancel their whole summer mm -hmm. program. So we just said, we're going to let stop work and we'll, you know, we'll pick it up next year if, if that still makes sense. And, you know, other, other ones that got pushed out to the fall. So, so certainly there was an impact and everybody was kind of holding their breath. Um, and, uh, and, and then I started having conversations with folks about, well, what, what could it look like if it was online? And, and a lot of times that was just kind of spitballing and brainstorming and, and helping clients realize that, oh, it can be, oh, this classroom program can be done online. Oh, and this is what it would look like. And um, a, a client that I, I redesigned a program, it was a, a leadership program, and they, did, they had a, a ex very experiential hands-on activity uh, called empathy toy it's kind of a package that you buy and it has building blocks and, and you physically build structures in the classroom and they're like well what can this look like online and and so you know I worked with the facilitator and we came up with something and I'm happy to say that she facilitated it last week and 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 the the replacement activity worked great so so a lot of those early conversations were about just reimagining what it could look like. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those stopped at conversations, which is great. And I'm happy that I could help clients kind of re rethink their next steps. And sometimes it turned into projects where I could, could uh, step in, in a, in a more wholesome way and, and help them redesign. So, um, so yeah, I've, I've been busy enough, but I, like I said earlier, I have tweens at home. So I've, I've been juggling, you know, working from home, which I normally do, but now all of a sudden having, having kids here too and, and, and managing schoolwork. Sure. So, so yes, I've, I've been keeping busy, which is, which has been great. Good. That's good. And do you think that any yeah. of those changes that you've made because of this um, pandemic, do you think a lot of these will be permanent changes in how you are conducting business going forward? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think e-learning will continue to um, to have a home. Um, but certainly, I mean, I was designing online programs 15 years ago, and it kind of quieted down and was being replaced by e-learning because that was, I don't know, more fashionable or whatever. But but with this resurgence of online, that yeah, I think I think I will continue to see online uh, projects coming from clients and online requests. Um, in part to, in response to that, and, and those conversations I was having with clients and with colleagues, like some of my colleagues have only had an in-person practice and they, you know, they're, they're a facilitator or a trainer and they go into companies and that's what they do. And so all of a sudden, all of their work dried up. And so talking with them, realizing that they also needed help to pivot their in-person programs to online. So so I've created a course. Um, it's new. It's it's gonna it's uh, gonna start in July, which I'm pretty excited about. And um, and it's really to help learning and development professionals take an, an existing in classroom program 
and redesign it for online. So uh, I'm putting the best of my expertise and knowledge into it. So how do I, how do I think about technology? How do I think about the high level design and, and reimagining, you know, an empathy toy activity in a virtual environment? And, and how do I, how do my slides and my materials maybe need to be different for an online delivery? And then, and then what are the tips that I need to know for facilitation? So, so to answer your question, uh, yes, I think there will be a piece of how my practice has pivoted that will continue going forward. So you've, um, you've built quite a reputation for yourself as an expert in, 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 in coaching and in what you do. Thank you. Is, is most of your business then through word of mouth or are you, uh, is it, is it just great marketing? And of course, I'm sure it's got to be some of that, but is it, I'm sure because of your reputation, a lot of it is just from one company talking to another company and recommendations. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's a few things. I've been, I've been a learning consultant for, for 20 years. So a lot of it is just a body of, I, I've been doing this a long time, a lot of, for a long time, my base. Um, and my client, my client base was in Toronto. So in the last probably six years, I've really been trying to shift that to Kitchener Waterloo, which is where I live. I got tired of the two plus hour going into uh, commute, going into Toronto. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but now with online, maybe that opens things up for me, who knows? Um, So yeah, so partly it's just that I've been doing this that long. Um, I also love chatting with people. I love networking. I love you know, talking to somebody over here and over here. And even if it's not even related to, to learning and development or my, my practice, if there's a way I can connect them and they can help each other, then I, I like doing that. So, so yes, a lot of it is referrals um, and, and word of mouth. And, and I actually for 2020 um, decided that I would uh, put more effort into kind of my online presence and social media. So that's been my own learning this uh, this year and certainly COVID now. I mean, LinkedIn's gotten to, has become a, a pretty crowded space. But um, yeah, just figuring out how do I uh, share my expertise with others and and build a bit more of a brand online. So so I guess it's those three things. Excellent. Great. Well, if if some of our earlier guests' uh, experience through through this little. Show, show of ours is any anything to go by you could be seeing getting quite a lot of publicity uh one of our authors recently has just gone over the 500 views in the last couple of weeks on on youtube so we we're finding this this is working Excellent. well and picking up on something you you mentioned connecting we're finding amazing what's the word kathleen synergies i suppose we interviewed somebody mm-hmm. you may know who creates maps and just before that we'd interviewed an author and we put them in touch and the author needs a map done. And uh, we put some, another Perfect. author in touch with a publisher and it just happens. So, so we're really pleased. I love that. It's happening. I, I, we got a little bit of time. So I've got a question for you. Um, sure. What do you, not in your particular business, not, not in consulting and coaching, but taking the effect of the shutdown generally on business. Do you, what are some of the big pivots to mm. use your term you see coming up? Well, I, you know, I think I would echo a lot what I'm reading in the Globe and in the KW Record that that um, you know organizations are realizing that online is is here to stay. So they're looking at how they can how how they can respond. So you know, not just tech companies, but com- companies in general saying, yeah, employees stay working from home through to the end of the year, and and what does that look like? 
Um, I, 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 on a sidebar, I love real estate. I'm always looking at real estate. And if, if I you know, came back in another life, I'd want to be a real estate developer, I think. But, but I think there's um, you know, certainly an impact on commercial real estate. And again, with that, with people moving to you know, continuing to work from home and, and maybe not needing the office space that they used to. So I, I think there's, there's going to be a longer term implication of that. Um, I think, you know, and, and this part makes me sad because I, I was commuting into Toronto and I refused to drive. So I would, I have my e-scooter that I would take to get me to the GO train station and then I would take the GO train in. Uh, so fully support public transit and have been so excited about the transit hub here in, in Kitchener and, uh, and the ION. Um, but I see, I see that public transit's going to have a really hard time. People will be nervous about mm -hmm. using that communal space to get around. So I think there's going to be a, an uptick in car sales and car usage, which, you know, makes me sad because of the environment. Maybe, maybe we'll turn into walkers and cyclists. I don't know, but I, I think that, I think there'll be an uptick with cars. So, so those are a few things, um, that, that I think about and, um, yeah, and then wonder what what's that going to look like in the longer term going forward. Sure. I've just got a warning. We've got 10 minutes, but I've got another. I'm going to ask you another quick one, picking up from what sure. you said about cars and real estate. I think there's a but there. And I've been speaking to a couple of people more in the States than here, and they've been working from home for months. And they're saying, we actually enjoy this, and we realize we don't need to live in or close to a big city anymore. So there's apparently, mm -hmm. I don't know how, how advanced in Canada, but certainly in the States, quite a, a swing of people looking to move to smaller towns because less risk from the virus, um, better quality of life for kids, no commuting. So Kathleen and I also have an interest in the tiny homes business. And we see this possibly as a salvation for the little towns and villages in Canada and elsewhere that have been dying uh, and a reversal of the, the urban, the flood to urban, urban living. And there's huge advantages mm -hmm. for the environment in that. So this is going to be an interesting one, which I'm watching with anticipation. Yeah. It, it, it is. And, and my husband, um, he works internationally. He's in software sales. And so his company is based out of France. And he every day is talking with colleagues from around the world. And, and it, so it's interesting to hear the perspective he gains from that. So he has mm -hmm. colleagues in Poland. And um, well, and even if you think of lots of European or even Asian countries, like they don't have the real estate that we have here. And so oh. he has colleagues who are working for he has one colleague in particular who has a an 18 month old and I think at a four year old at home his wife's nur a nurse so she's working out of the house and he his his apartment is so small he has an ironing board set up for his desk and he's yeah. trying to work full-time with with two little kids at home and no child care so so I I think you're right I think there will be a, a so that's on the residential side so I think people will where they can and it won't be the same globally but certainly in Canada a move out of bigger cities, out of the shoebox condos that people have been living in. And yeah, maybe coming to places like Kitchener, Waterloo. So, so I think the, the residential real estate market will, will do okay. I think, I think it's the commercial space, sure. that real estate market that, that will, um, that will maybe have a bit of a dip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I agree. We are getting towards the end of our time, but Kathleen, have you got anything else you want to ask Hannah? Uh, we were just going to ask uh, Peter how, can we get in touch with you? If anybody out there wants to reach you, how's, what's the best way of doing that, Hannah? Yeah, for sure. So my website, I just relaunched it in the, in the spring as part of my online presence. So my website is 
www.performancematters.ca. Uh, so that's always great. And there's a contact me link and various links there that you can find. Uh, you can also send me an email, hbrown at performancematters.ca. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me there. That, that's wonderful. We'll put all that on the in the description and on the caption. So everyone watching this, if you look, you can find those details. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Yacking Podcast. So great. Hannah, thanks. Really good to thank meet you. you so and much intrigued by what you've had to tell us and Kathleen as always thank you for being the co-host and keeping this one going so until next time goodbye everybody